Well, I stand amazed at how God works. You know, He works that way often, so we shouldn't really be amazed because He just continuously does it. But let me explain why I was amazed early service, and then you'll understand it because you heard the songs, and even, uh, you know, as we pray for Dave and Bryce, they're gone on a mission trip. But even the fact that Mike was doing both services and the music was just the same. 5.45 this morning. If you'd have said, what's the message today, Rob? I'd have told you, or let me back up, 5.15 this morning. You'd have said, Rob, what's the message today? I'd say the message today is be all you can be in 23. I would have set some challenges before you of, that would help you be all you could be in 23. Now fast forward to 545. You say, Rob, what's the message today? I'd say it's going to be the church needs to be shaken and awakened and is in need of a transformation. And I would have given you some things that should shake and awaken and transform our church. But right behind that, I knew that neither of those was the messages. And I thought back to an 88-year-old, that was two years ago, Charles Stanley. When he said, I'd like to call and talk to some of the preachers that's older than me and a little farther down the road than I am. Now, I was sitting in a motel room where I was preaching revival when I heard that, Steve, and I'm thinking an 88-year-old preacher would love to call a preacher that's older and a little farther down the road than he is. And I'd just like to ask him a few questions. Well, then his son interviews him, and he says, Dad, you said you'd like to call a preacher that's older and a little farther down the road than you are. And I'm not sure you're not the oldest and the farthest down the road of any preacher there is. But here's what he said. He said, Dad, what would you ask him? Now, I'm on the edge of my seat as a, what I thought was a young pastor, Mike. And I thought, I'm going to get some encouragement here. And Charles said, Son... I'd ask him, does it ever get any easier? Eighty-eight years old. And I'd ask him, does it ever get any easier? I just collapsed. I lost every bit of the air that's in me. I thought, well, I surely thought by the time I hit 88, it'd get a little easier. And then his son said, why don't you elaborate on that, Dad? And here's what he said, and it's a picture of what happened this morning. He said, well, son, it's not that we preachers don't have a message. I've always got a message. You heard this morning, I had three. See, this book's full of messages. You won't catch me without a message. Because there's them people that'll fight at the drop of a hat and they'll drop the hat and I'm one of them guys, I'll preach at the drop of the hat and I'll drop the book and I'll preach. You won't catch me without a message. 
So Charles Stanley at 88 years old said, it's not what we preach. We got plenty of messages. The battle is, when do we preach what? So look at me and listen to me. We've got plenty to preach, but the deal is, when do we preach what? So 7 o'clock rolls around, and God has laid on my heart a message that I've already preached out of Revelation 21. And he laid on my heart a message that when I preached it, I titled it Heaven. And so I just go with it. I've learned better than to argue with him. Trying to justify it. Well, God, I've heard if it's good enough to preach once, it'll be good enough to preach again. The music guys can sing the same songs, but we ain't supposed to preach the same messages. They can do the same show at Branson, but we can't do the same show Sunday morning at church. And when I got there and he began to sing about heaven, I thought, thank you, Lord. Wish I could be as in tune and touch as Mike. He probably knew what he was going to sing a day or two ago. But nevertheless, thank you for letting me catch up. And thank you for confirming the message. See, I had a pretty good idea why I was going to preach it. But the song service confirmed it. Remember that old story? You all know it. Preacher got up one Sunday morning and said, Who all in here wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. I mean, pow! All the hands went up. Except one old boy sitting about where Dusty Dove sat, an old farmer. He had his arms crossed and never moved. Boy, that preacher had a hard time preaching that whole message, wondering why that old farmer didn't raise his hand that he wanted to go to heaven. He thought, man, everybody wants to go to heaven. That old boy don't want to go to heaven. So he could hardly preach the message, and after it was over, he made his way straight back to that farmer, and he said, I asked for a show of hands that everybody in here that wanted to go to heaven, and you didn't raise your hands. He said, sir, do you not want to go to heaven? He said, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I thought you was getting up a load for today. I'm just not ready today. Look here. God took a load last week. See, week before I preached Miss Donna Phillips' funeral, Thursday, I attended one at 10, I attended one at 2, and I was at Cindy Robertson's dad's visitation at 6. His funeral was on Friday, and if you prayed for little Maddie Jackson, 12-year-old girl, her funeral was Saturday. No wonder God changed my message to a message on heaven. Because he took a load to heaven last week. But not only did he take a load to heaven last week in that of big numbers. 2022, 2021, seems like our church, seems like he's taken a load to heaven. Seems like in our community, seems like some of our young people, he's taken a load to heaven.
So I just want to encourage you. First of all, I just want to thank God that He let me know what to preach and when to preach it behind Him taking a load of people to heaven. And so in this message, I want to point out, first of all, the newness in heaven. Revelation 21 and 1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city. Right here it is, three times in two verses. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And it's going to be a pretty city. Because it says it comes down prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Would you look down at verse 5 of Revelation 21? Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things, here's the fourth time it's used, new. Four times in three verses he uses the word new. And this encourages me how he finishes up verse 5. He says, And he said to me, Write these down. Aren't you glad he'd give us a little glimpse of heaven? Write these down. These words are true and faithful. What I'm preaching to you today about heaven, it's the truth and they come from the faithful one and his name is Jesus Christ. So number one, this tells me of the newness in heaven. I mentioned it last week. Don't forget, he's the God of the new covenant and aren't we glad he is? We're not sacrificing a lot of animals here this morning. He is the God that gives us a new heart, and aren't you glad He does, because our heart is exceedingly and abundantly wicked. You may not have no trouble with your physical heart, but spiritually you was in need of open heart surgery, and you was in need of a heart transplant, and aren't you glad God gives us a new heart? And when He gives us that new heart, He makes us into a new creation. We're a different kind of people when we are in Christ. He gives us a new song, said the psalmist, that we can sing and people will see it. But the God of the new covenant and the new heart and the new creation and the new song, He does all that so we can go to the new Jerusalem. See, it's the new city and it's got a lot of newness in it. Now, a lot of people say, Rob, why you drive them old trucks? Got 200,000, 250,000 miles on them. You like them old ones that much better than them new ones? I like that them old ones don't have a payment book with them. Now, at my house, we separate the men's work from the women's work. And the women's work, the mowing and the weed eating. Miss Donna, she's got an old lawnmower. Let me tell you how that works. She'll mow for about an hour, hour and a half, and that thing will get hot and quit her. But it can take a break, and she can take a break, and in about 30, 45 minutes, that thing will fire again. Somebody says, why don't you get her a new mower? That one's paid for. And besides that, it's old needs a break, and look at the operator. 
I'm not sure she don't need a little break herself. Now, oh, you say. I'm telling you, she used to could mow it straight nonstop, but now she has to have a break. It is what it is. When I'm behind the pulpit, I have to speak the truth. I'd like to have a new mower, but them new mowers cost money. And I'm not going to get a new wife because them younger ones cost more than them older ones. First rule of holes, quit digging. I'm going to move on from the mower and the wife. I'd like to have a new trailer. I'd like to have a lot of things new. And some of you folks, you into antiques. You wouldn't miss the antique road show, would you? You're into vintage things. Let me tell you something. Ain't going to be no antiques in heaven. Ain't going to be any vintage things in heaven. He said, I make all things new. Now, look, you antique lovers, you just got the rug pulled out from under you. You're thinking, oh, no. Well, let me just let me liken it to this. There's an old song that says, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. Let me tell you about them southern boys that sang that. Heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, but I promise you, they're still going to want to go. And you antique and vintage lovers, there ain't going to be antiques or vintage up there, but I'll tell you, you'll still want to go. The newness in heaven. But here's what's sweeter to me. As I had a birthday yesterday and I got a year older, I'm going to confess right here, right now, something on my birthday. I didn't do this at Telequot, but I'm going to do this. I lay my head down Saturday, uh, Friday night. It's January 6th. When my head hits the pillow, I realize tomorrow's my birthday. I had flashbacks of one year ago. 504 happy birthday wishes on Facebook. 504. You know what it's like to try to feed cattle and your phone's going ding, 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 ding. Everybody says, turn your notifications off. I don't know how. I didn't turn them on. I don't know how to turn them off. So nobody's in the bedroom. I beat everybody to bed. I go early. So you know what I done January 6th? I went in there and I struggled and I finally found where you could edit. And I moved my birthday to January 4th. (laughs) Thinking January 4th had done past. I get up about 5 o'clock Saturday morning, and my phone just starts dinging. And I look down, and you know what people are sending? Happy belated birthday. I just put my head down. I thought I tried to get past this, and now it's notified everybody my birthday was three days ago. Now I'm getting happy belated birthdays let me tell you next year i'm taking my you guys want to wish me happy birthday text me call me see me in person i'm somebody's taking my birthday off my facebook page it's nonsense people i don't mind somebody that i know tell me happy i get people don't even know me happy birthday why i'm 53 so let me say this i'm more looking forward to the New body in New Jerusalem. Now, 35, 40 years ago, if I'd have listened to this message, I'd have thought, why do they want a new body? I mean, man, I can run pretty fast. I can jump pretty high. I can do this and I can do that. But I'm going to tell you, that stuff begins to leave you. And some of you, I'm looking at you, and you say, why are you so excited about the new body? If you look in the mirror, you ought to be excited about it. (laughs) 
huh? If you're just looking in the mirror, you might get just a little more excited about a new body also. I mean, the Bible says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body? We're going to get a brand new body according to the working by which He is able, that's Jesus, subdue all things unto Himself. We are going to have a brand new resurrection body. The newness in heaven, but the best thing to me is the new body. See, I listened to a conversation yesterday, Mark, between two guys... One had had a hernia surgery, and one was in need of one. And I listened to them. Oh, you ought to have it. You've probably heard horror stories, and I'm just telling you, I've had them, I delayed it, but mine was good. And then the question was, did they use the flesh, or did they use or the mesh, or did they use the muscle? And I'm listening to this conversation, and I begin to chuckle. These guys was in their 60s. And I sat there and listened to this, and I thought, man, the conversation changed from your 20s to your 60s. <laughs> Think about when you're 20. Man, where are you entering this weekend? You're going to get all three cards the first year. You're going to get your ACRA, IPRA. You're going to get your PRCA. Where are you going to enter this week? I mean, are you going to play in that tournament over there, that basketball tournament? Are you going to do this or that? Are you going to go out there? In the 20s, we're wondering, are you going to go to the lake? You guys going to get on them jet skis? You going to... I mean, all this stuff you're gonna do. You going to the races? You gonna you gonna run your car? For, and, and then, as time goes by, you think I ought to get that hernia fixed. <laughs> I mean, the conversation, and I begin to chuckle about that. I'm thinking, see, you young people, you're thinking, yeah, that first conversation. What do you mean they ch- they change? So now I'm listening to two guys wondering, well, should I get my hernia fixed or should I not? Then I laughed there and I just chuckled about that conversation. I thought last week Marty called me. He'd canceled his hip surgery and now he's rescheduled it and he calls me for some consultation. (laughs) Well, counsel. So he calls me on Saturday morning. He says, hey, I'm supposed to meet with the doctor uh, for consultation. Thought I might get a little from you first. So so how's that hip? I said, you really want to know? Well, yeah, I'm wondering if, I, you know, I done canceled that one. I got scared. I said, you really want to know? I said, here's how simple I'm going to put it to you, Brother Brock. You cannot have it, and you can hurt, but you can still do what you want to. Or you can have it, new hip, and the pain will be gone but you're not going to be able to do what you once could do. So if you want to keep doing what you want to do, I recommend just keep hurting, but do what you want to do. But I said, if you want to have it, you'll be like me. I can't step over a wall in my yard. Well, it's a pine cone. Man, I just don't have no luck lifting this left leg. So what I'm saying is... We as older people, ain't it something I'm having to include myself in that now? We're deciding whether we want to have these body breakdowns fixed. And some would say yes, and some would say no. It depends who you're talking to. But aren't you thankful? Aren't you encouraged whether you have them fixed here or not? You're going to have a brand new body 
in a place called heaven. That's good stuff. Amen. But then I want to speak to you, and let me just say this why I'm there, why I preach that. When I went to see Lonnie McClure, that was funeral 10 o'clock Thursday. When I went to see Annette Hakes, that was funeral 2 o'clock Thursday. I went to see them about a week, 10 days before they passed. Now, here's what I want to say about them two folks. I did not know them when they was young. I met them in my preaching years. I met them when they was older and advanced in age, okay? So I am sitting at the funeral at 10 o'clock, and they play the video. And when they play that video, I've only known Lonnie when he was an older man. And when they kick that video off, see a few baby pictures, and then, man, in his teens and, and in his 20s and 30s, I'm telling you, Lonnie never looked at me like he was a very good-looking guy. But when I watched them pictures, I began to think, oh, Lonnie was a pretty nice-looking, pretty handsome old fella. Young man, handsome, strong, good-looking man. And I thought, man, I only knowed him when he looked like he looked now, and he didn't look real good. Sure didn't look good when I seen him last on a hospital bed, body deteriorated by cancer. Are you with me? So I left there, and I honestly, well, I'll tell you what. My wife called me when I got in the pickup, and she said, hey, the lunch is ready over here. I know you've got a pretty tight schedule today, but if you want to run over here, I'll fix you a plate to go. I said, I'm done pulling out. I'll have me a Subway sandwich from right here in Hobart, be on the road. But I said, by the way, they showed that video. I said, oh, Lonnie was a good-looking man when he was young. I mean, it impressed me so much. I told my wife that. So I get to this funeral at 2. I've only known Annette when she was older. I seen her a week ago, and her body had been deteriorated with cancer. And they began to show that video, Robert. And here's this picture of this tall, slim, blonde lady on the beach. And I thought, well, that's neat. They're starting off with a picture of a model at Annette's funeral. It was Annette. Look up here. She was a pretty, pretty lady. And when I left there, I thought, you know, I met them both when they was advanced in age. And they was pretty good-looking young people. And then I began to think, there was a 12-year-old girl passed away this week. She's been on our prayer chain. Circulation had been shut off from her fingers and her toes. Can you imagine what her parents watched her body do in those two weeks in the hospital? Her parents. Here's what I'm telling you. We've lost loved ones. I watched it with Delbert and Wanda. I watched it with my uncle. I watched cancer eat away at bodies of my loved ones. I'm talking about bodies that used to be young, strong, good-looking people. And age and disease changed that. And I'm thankful that in heaven there's a brand new body and these people will not look like they looked when we last seen them. And all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen. Listen here. That's the newness in heaven. Now I'm talking about the nearness in heaven. Look at verse 3, Revelation 21. It says, And I heard a loud voice. Do you know how many times the word loud is used in the book of Revelation speaking in heaven? 
23 times. I always get asked, Rob, why are you so loud? I said, I'm, like my, I'm not like my dad and I'm not like my brother. I'm like my mother. But now I've read Revelation 23 times. They're loud in heaven. So from now on, somebody says, Why are you so loud, Rob? I'm just getting ready for heaven. If you don't like loud, I'm not sure how much you're going to like heaven because I think it's going to be loud. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That sounds close, don't it? It sounds near. And He will dwell with them. That just sounds close. That just sounds near. And they shall be His people. That just sounds near. God Himself will be with them. That's near. And be their God. Now I want you to... You're probably thinking, well, we're near to God here. You're right. When God takes a load to heaven, a brother, a mother, a dad, a son... And we're in the valley. Huh? Aren't you glad you've felt the presence of God in that valley with you? Come on. When you've been in that valley, because God's took someone to heaven, you've lost a loved one, aren't you glad, blessed are those who mourn? Aren't you glad He won't leave us without a comforter? Aren't you glad you could feel Him near and dear to your heart when you was in that valley? You felt His presence, did you? But then the flip side, what about when you're on the mountaintop and He's just blessing your socks off with your shoes on and you can just feel Him all around you, just pouring out the blessings on you and He feels so near and and He's with you, right? And that's by way of Holy Spirit. So everybody staying with me. But let me ask you a question. If we all got real, real honest with ourselves, is, is there ever been a time that you said, Hey God, where are you at? I mean, has there been that time in your life when you just kind of turned circles? You felt Him in the valley, you felt Him on the mountaintop, but all of a sudden you're in a place and your question is, God, man, where are you at? I mean, aren't we thankful for the times that we can just feel His presence? But if we're honest with ourselves, there's times when we ask Him, where are you at? What are you doing? Huh? And sometimes it's concerning that load he took to heaven because your loved one was in it, right? Look up here and listen to me. You may have to wonder where he's at and I may have to wonder where he's at by way of Holy's presence. And we know he's near to those that have a broken and contrite heart. But let me tell you about your loved one. He don't ever have to wonder where he's at. She don't ever have to wonder where he's at. And listen, it's not by faith. They're in His presence near Him physically. 
Do you realize the load that he took that had your loved one in it? They're in heaven, and you don't realize that the Bible says they're no longer looking through the glass dimly? Do you realize your loved one is nearer to God than they've ever been, and it's not by faith? It is physically in the presence of God. And when they was here, they're just like you and I. There was times when they had to say, God, where are you at? God, where you're doing? But when we get to heaven, you know one thing we'll never have to ask? God, where are you at? God, what are you doing? Because you know why? We're going to be right smack dab in his presence that's good stuff the nearness in heaven we'll never have to wonder where God is again amen but then I want you to number three listen to the knots in heaven now when I say the knots in heaven I'm not talking about K-N-O-T-S like the knots that get in your jumper cables or the knots that get into your uh, extension cord or the knots that get into your rope. Aren't you glad there's none of them knots in heaven? When I talk about the knots in heaven I'm talking about N-O-T-S what's not going to be there. Now now listen here as a calf roper you'll be fixing a rope in the slack somewhere after I got saved. I mean it's it's 11.30 at night. You're trying to get focused. You've really got to dig deep to run a calf at 11.30 at night. I mean, you're digging deep, and somebody will come up here and say, Rob, I've been mean to ask you this, but, and I know you're getting ready to rope, but I've got to ask you a biblical question. And I mean, I think, man, that's why I'm here. He's going to ask me how to be saved. He's going to ask me, and I'll dig real deep. And that old scripture Rolodex is going, God, give me the answer for this. I mean, if it ain't concerning salvation, give me the answer for this. And they'll look at me, and they'll say, is there going to be calf roping in heaven? And I look at him because this was in my later years and I'm having to stretch and I'm having to, this old body's worn out and I look at him and I say, God, I hope not. Huh? I mean, I get asked that all the time. And then when I was driving a truck and I'd fix, go through Chelsea, there's some old men in Chelsea that played dominoes. <laughs> every week and after I got saved boy I'd be witnessing to the old flat fixer and frog old frog old frog one day he said Rob I got a question for you about the Bible and I'm thinking now we're getting somewhere frog's asking me a question about the Bible he said they gonna be dominoes in heaven <laughs> I said boy I don't know about that one frog I don't know if there are going to be dominoes in heaven or not. I mean, is there going to be basketball in heaven? Is there going to be fishing in heaven? Them two baseball players, is there going to be baseball in heaven? And they was buddies. And, and they decided whichever one of them died first. When they found out if there was baseball in heaven, they was going to send word back to the other one. So one of them, sure enough, died. And he, he died and he got up there. And, and he was trying to figure out how to get it back to his buddy that there was baseball in heaven. So finally he gets a note and he sticks it in the popcorn because his buddy's at a game and he's sitting there and he gets his popcorn and it's a note from his buddy that died and went to heaven. He says to him, Brother, the good news is there's baseball in heaven. Brother, the bad news is you're pitching this Thursday. Huh? I don't know if that's bad news or good news. I say all that to say this. I am asked so often, is there going to be this in heaven? Is there going to be that in heaven? Is there going to be this in heaven? Is there going to be that in heaven? And I'm going to tell you upon the authority that I've been given by the calling of God on my life, I don't know. 
But when I open to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, I may not can tell you what's in heaven, but I can tell you what's not in heaven. And here it goes. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things will have passed away. How come we get so concerned about what's going to be there? I draw a lot more encouragement about what's not going to be there, because when death comes and He takes a boatload of heaven, the tears would fill up that baptistry right there, and they'll never be shed because there'll be no more death in heaven. I'm telling you, sickness and sorrow are no more. Did you catch that? No pain. Man, don't you look forward to no more physical pain? But how about that emotional pain? Do you know what happened to me this morning? We hadn't had hot water in our house for about four or five days. And everybody says, that's what you get for one of them tankless hot water heaters. Well, I moved to a cabin. You know what I got up there? A hot water tank. You know what happened after about two days of showering up there? Run out of hot water up there. I said, lo and behold, woman, we got a tankless heater that everybody says ain't no good. We ought to get a hot water tank. We moved up here to the cabin. Our hot water tank quit. Maybe we're just not supposed to have cold water. But I think that's you. I'm going to trace, take a shower. You must be the one that's not supposed to have hot water. But thanks be to God. We almost took a love offering up for Mark Walker. He come and fixed it immediately. So what happened this morning, I have to get up and I have to go to the cabin. But when we're living there during the summer when our VRBO is going on, there's food up there. So when I get up early of the morning, now listen, I'm not only chewing on the Word of God. I've usually got a handful of pecans. I've got a granola bar. I've got uh, uh, something. I'm an eater. Well, I'm in the cabin. And it dawned on me, I don't have nothing to snack on. So I'm building a sermon, and I'm taking a shower, and I'm watching that clock. Well, let me tell you what I come into last night. My wife had been wanting to try, try a recipe on pecan bread. And when I come in last night, it was sitting there, and you talk about good. I ate exactly half the pan. And she said, man, that stuff's good of the evening. And I said, yeah, it's good. And she said, man, I bet it'd be good for breakfast. And that's why I left half the pan. Don't eat all of it at night. Leave half the pan for breakfast. So can you imagine my taste buds? No snacks all morning, Luke. And I look at the clock, and I barely have time to run in our house. And I can already taste that pecan bread. And I run down the alley. The alley. You guys got hallways at your house. We got alleys. That means you're spending way too much time sorting cattle, don't it? I run down the alley, and I go to the left pen, which is our kitchen. And my taste buds are standing up, and they're shouting. And when I get there, the pain, it was gone. The pan was empty. I thought, how in the world did my wife and my daughter eat that much? I can eat that much. There's no way. And the pain wasn't physical. It was the pain emotionally and mentally that I began to have to deal with. And the Lord, by way of Holy Spirit, is getting me through it as I drive to Telequal. And I get out and I go to the door and there's a Wed Hayworth, big old smile. I mean, you could have shoved a banana and it just fit. I mean, he just grinning. 
And he sticks out his right hand. He said, I'd hand you a bulletin, but my hand's full. And I look in his hand. You know what he was holding in his left hand? Yeah. It just dawned on you, didn't it? He was holding a big old chunk of pecan bread. I said, where'd you get that? Your wife brought a whole pan. Well, it's gone. Your wife brought a whole pan. She said she didn't need that stuff sitting around her house. I said, it ain't sat there but since last night. I mean, I got mad. I got in the flesh. But all that come from pain that I was experiencing. And I say that jokingly because, look here, when I talk about pain, we do think about the physical pain. But how many times do we have pain that's not physical? Something somebody said to us, something somebody done to us, something somebody took from us. Huh? Let me tell you about heaven. That's not going to be there. No more pain. Don't know what's going to be there, but we sure do know what's not going to be there. And I can praise the Lord for what's not going to be there and still wonder what's going to be there. And all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen. And then the needlessness in heaven. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Now, freely means it's there to take, and thirst translates desire. And when I say the needlessness of heaven, how many of you have desires here on earth, and those desires really ain't good desires? You with me? But you're going to have desires in heaven. They're going to be good desires, and guess what? They're going to be met. I mean... Eat of that bread, Jesus said, you'll hunger again. You're going to have a desire for that. That's the flesh. Drink of that water. What did he tell the woman at the well? You drink of that water. You're going to, if you'd ask me for a drink, I'd give you living water. You could drink of it and never thirst again. In other words, that thirst is quenched. So, so look here. I don't have to ask you because I don't think you're quite where the apostle Paul was. I don't have to ask you if, if you have some desires that are bad and if you give in to them desires. I know that answer because of the Paul, I believe, Miss Bonnie, second best Christian to ever lived. You know what he said? I do the things I don't want to do. You know what else he said? I don't do the things I want to do. You know what Paul was telling us? There's some fleshly desires... The devil and the demons of hell are real and they wave that temptation and that desire in front of me. And you know what Paul was saying, Lincoln? He's saying, I give in to that from time to time. And guess what? We're no better than he does. And we give in to that. Aren't you going to be glad when there's no fleshly desires? I don't have to fight the temptation of my flesh and the devil off. Well, let me tell you when that's going to happen. When you get to heaven. It won't happen before then. You're still going to fight those desires. You're still going to fight. And every need that you have, every desire that you have, is going to be met in heaven. It's not met here. Our needs and our wants get confused. We have fleshly and bad desires. We thirst for those things. And they're, they're not things where... When we get to heaven, it's not going to be that way. Those bad desires are gone. The good desires are there. And when the good desires are there, we can go get a drink anytime we want. So have you ever thought about this? Now, I thought about it because the, the, the three deaths was Holbert. I mean, when I went and made them visits, they literally lived two miles apart. 
They grew up together. And when I went to Holbert and I said something about the funerals, they said one's going to be 10, one's going to be 2. Do you know the same crowd went to the 10 o'clock, almost the very same crowd? They went and grabbed a bite to eat, and guess what? We was meeting the same people right back up at 2 o'clock. It was, it was almost crazy. So I began to think about that. And how many of you remember Ken Ford from the Telequal campus? He was a Holbert guy, and old Ken was a dandy with a capital D. And I thought, now, he's been in heaven for a few years now. And in my sanctified imagination, he had to be looking down on his community. And he saw two of his uh, Hobartites getting close to death. And I can just see him. You know, we always hear these jokes. It ain't in the Bible that Peter will meet us at the pearly gates. I don't know how many of you are aware of this. That is not in the Bible. So I think how it works is when we look down and we see one of our friends or one of our people in the community or one people, we, we look at the Lord in heaven and say, hey, can we draw straws? I want to greet them. You say, that, I don't know. But here's what I pictured last week. Oh, Ken Four, he's a dandy. He sees two of his Hobartites getting ready to come down. I can just see old Ken Four saying, hey, Lord, Lord saying, yeah, I can. He said, man, old Lonnie and Annette, I grew up with them. If you don't mind, you care, can, I, can I welcome them in? And I can just picture the Lord saying, well, Ken, I know you've known them a long time, but I've really known them longer than you have. But if you want to welcome them, Ken, get after it. So I can just picture in heaven, Jesse, old Ken getting up there with that old smile on his face. Walking up there and just kind of waiting at the door, waiting for old Lonnie. <laughs> I can just hear him open that door. Now, now listen, Lonnie ain't never been to heaven. So when he opens that door, I can hear old Lonnie say, Hey, Ken, how you doing? You don't get it, do you? Ken's in heaven. You don't have to ask Ken, how you doing? See, I want you to think about creatures of habit. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? That's just what we do on earth, isn't it? And we are a bunch of liars, aren't we? Because somebody say, how you're doing? And we'll say good, and in the back of our mind we'll say, just to be honest with you, ain't doing real good. But then there's a flip side of that too. Somebody can ask you how you're doing sometime, and you can say, well, I ain't doing very good. And then there's that still small voice in the back of you say, well, I think you're doing pretty good, way better than you deserve. So I don't really know if when we create creatures of habit, when somebody says, how you doing, how you doing, how you been, I don't know if we've ever answered it right. Because sometimes we tell them we're doing good when we're not. Sometimes we tell them we're doing bad when we're doing good. Am I anywhere close to right? Have you done it? If you're not picking up what I'm putting down, get this. You don't have to ask somebody how they're doing in heaven because they're doing good. They have not a need. They have not a desire. They're just doing good. So if you ever get up there and you run on to somebody and you say, how are you doing? They're going to look at you and say, you ain't been here very long, have you? 
That's how that's going to work. Because we'll all be doing good in heaven. And then lastly, and I'll be through. We've talked about the newness of heaven, right? The nearness in heaven. He's with me. The needlessness in heaven. You with me? We've talked about all those things. We've talked about the knots in heaven. What's not there? But here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to finish up with the names in heaven. Now, I want you to look back, cheat, look at the last verse of the previous chapter. If you've got your Bibles open, look at verse 15 of Revelation 20. And it says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay? And then he begins in Revelation 21 to tell us all about heaven. And aren't you, aren't you glad when some of our loved ones have been on the load to heaven, aren't you glad it gives us a little glimpse of heaven to know how they're doing? But then when you come to verse 7, it says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, I want you to think about what verse 7 just said. Now, to him who overcomes shall inherit heaven. Don't that sound like a work for salvation verse? Come on. We know the Bible teaches we are saved by faith and faith alone. But when you read verse 7 of Revelation 21, come on, if you just grab that one verse, doesn't that sound almost like a work for salvation? If I can overcome this flesh, if I can overcome this, then I'll make it to heaven. You may not want to shake your head and scare, oh, that'd be blasphemy, don't make me do that. That verse makes it sound like we have to overcome something to get to heaven. Whether you want to admit it or not, I'll tell you, that makes it sound like salvation's worked for. Look at it. Doesn't it? But we know it's not because the Scripture in context says it ain't. But it only gets worse if you don't read far enough. Because look at it. It says, but the cowardly. Anybody in here been scared of anything? Oh, you would never admit it. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable. Boy, right now you're thinking, Woo, I'm glad I'm not a coward. I'm not an unbeliever. I'm glad I'm not a murderer. I'm glad I've never murdered anybody. The sexually immoral. Oh, my name's fixing to get called sorcerers, idolaters. Anything that you've put before God at any time makes you an idolater. Your name is getting called. And some of you says, well, my name ain't called. And all liars, it just did. Everybody's name just got called. I mean, when you read down through that, you're thinking, my gosh. And you know what it says? It says, shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. And then skip down to verse 27. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. I mean, you read all that stuff, folks. And let me tell you what it sounds like. I'll tell you what it sounds like to me. I'll just personalize it. When I read all that, Steve, the first six verses say this is a perfect place. Don't it? Everything's new. We're near to God. There's not sickness, there's not pain, there's not crying. This is the perfect place. Every desire that I ever have, not only is it going to be good, but I'm going to get it. This is the perfect place. But then I read of all this stuff and my name's called there. 
And I'm thinking, I can't go in because if I step into what that looks like that perfect place and my name's on that list, I just made it unperfect. If heaven is all of that and I step in, I just made it unperfect. This perfect place, because I'm some of those things, I'm going to make this place that's perfect imperfect. You know, people's always looking for the perfect church. And I say, you think you find it, it won't be perfect because when you walk in, it becomes imperfect. Right? But, that's the next word. But. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, that's who's in there. My name is called. I am those things just like you are some of those things. But only those that's written in the Lamb. You know how you get your name written in the Lamb book of life? You get washed in the blood. All those things that you're in your life. When I was a little kid, all temperature cheer. Oh, the commercial. They can take every stain out. Well, I'm going to tell you they're liars. I put some stains in my clothes that they can't get out. But the blood of Christ, 1 John 1, 7 says... Cleanses us from all sin. And I'm telling you, there's not one stain in your life that the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary can't take out. So this stuff that I'm going to enter in and defile heaven with, he says, oh no, I can take the stains out. I can wash that clean and you can go in because I wash you in the blood and you won't defile it. Now, I know you've heard this sermon, and you'll know you heard it now when I tell about Trenton's birthday. Remember when he was just a little tyke, third grade? How old's a third grader? They're eight or nine, says Sandra. And so they're going to have a birthday party, and we've got a bunch of eight or nine-year-olds invited over. And we're going to let them play outside, and they're going to have fun. But the problem is it rained all week. And now we've got a whole bunch of eight and nine-year-olds in the house. And I knew that wasn't going to last. And she said, I don't care how wet it is outside. They need to go outside. But you probably ought to go out there and watch them, make sure they don't get into nothing. Well, we sent them outside, but I don't follow instructions well, so I didn't watch them well. And when I decided to look out there and check on them, they had moved from the yard into the roping arena. It had rained all week. What does rain and dirt make? It makes mud. But I got one question for you. What does rain and horse poop and cow poop and cow urine and horse urine make? I don't know other than nasty. I don't know what you call it. Muck? So when I go out there, I think, man, I am in trouble. I have let these kids get in the arena. And so it's kind of one of them things. I'm already in trouble, so I'm going to enjoy the game. So I lean against the fence, and I'm enjoying the game. I'm even hollering encouragement from the fence. Well, now all of a sudden, the people start pulling in to pick up their eight- and nine-year-olds. And when they're coming out that little gate at the back of the arena, all you can see is really their eyes. I'm talking about boys and girls. At that age, everybody's invited. And you don't have to worry about anything because the boys think the girls have cooties, so you don't have to worry about nothing. I mean, it's just all good then. So they're all coming out, and they head to their, their parents' vehicles, and parents are getting out looking at them and saying, uh-uh, they're not getting in the vehicles with me. And here's where Donna run faster this day. Donna was fast. 
she could get a ribbon off a calf's tail and the ribbon rope and get across that line faster than any girl. She, that's where our relation started. I thought, I'm going to rope them. She's going to get the ribbon. Ribbon roping champs, 1986. Donna and I. And I had never seen her run as fast since she ran in 1986 until that day when them kids realized they couldn't get in their parents' vehicles and they started running for my wife's house. I seen flashbacks of 1986 ribbon rope and running speed. She was getting it to the house and she jumped in front of it. You're not coming in here. And so I got all these eight and nine-year-olds. They can't get in their parents' car. They can't get in Donna's house. And they just, well, here's old Rob. I'm at the barn, and I can't help but wait because we had some major pressure at Locust with that roll water. And I look to those kids, and I hold up the water hose with the little squirt nozzle on it. And they all line up. And I was a little bit merciful for the girls how I washed them off. But when the boys come, I didn't hold nothing back. I pulled her all the way back, and I started at the head, and I made sure I got every bit of it. Just about knock them down. And once I got them washed off, they was allowed to the house and the car. Now look here. I began to think about that. Spiritually, we've been in the mud. And we want to go to the house called heaven. And God says, mm -mm. And one day Jesus, he didn't go to a water hydrant. He went to a cross. And he shed his blood. And one Tuesday morning, are you sticking with me? I said, I need washed. I'm dirty. According to those scriptures, I can't go. And by faith, Jesus washed me from the top of my head to the tip of my toe. Now watch this. What about that day at the water hydrant? Write down Rachel. She's clean. Write down Robert. He's clean. Write down Spencer. He's clean. Write down Mason. He's clean. Write down Trenton. He's clean. Huh? You ever wondered if it works something like that in heaven? When we come to Jesus and He washes us with the blood, it says our name's written down in heaven. Makes me wonder if one Tuesday morning after he washed me off dusty, if God the Son didn't turn around there to God the Father and said, write Rob's name down. He's clean. Whew. Man, when God takes a load to heaven, sometimes we just need some encouragement about heaven. But if you're here today, realize not every load that leaves here goes to heaven. Only those who's been washed in the blood. Only those whose names are written down in heaven. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.
Man, some of you's had some loved ones go to heaven. They've been in the load that God took. And man, you've seen their bodies beat up and banged up by sin, disease. Man, these altars are open. Why in the world wouldn't you want to thank God for your loved one that's got a brand new body? You will never have to see them how you saw them again. You're here today and you got a body that's beat up and banged up. You ought to be in these altars thanking God there's a new body coming. Altars are open. Man, you're one of those, you feel near to God right now, but there's been times you struggle with your loved ones. Listen, they are in the presence of God. You could thank God that they're absent from the body but present with the Lord. Even though you've wondered where God is and what God's doing, your loved one has never had to wonder where God is and what He's doing since they arrived in heaven. But look here. The tears that you've shed, the pain that you have, the sorrow that you have, these altars are open. They're open for people to come and thank God for what's not in heaven. We might have to wonder what's going to be there. But aren't you glad the Scripture tells us what's not going to be there? Altars are open. Man, you might just need to come and kneel in these altars today and say, Man, the flesh, the desires that it has. and Lord, I need some help with them, but I want to thank you there's a day coming. I need you to help me battle these desires until I get up there where I don't have to battle them anymore. Come on, altars are open. But if you're here today and your name's not written down, you've not been washed in the blood, I'm begging you, step out and come. By faith, get washed in the blood. Let God the Son turn to God the Father, if that's how it works, and say, write His name down. Write her name down. You need to be saved. You come. Be obedient to what God is saying. Mike's going to sing. You come. Father, have your way. Encourage the believer. Save the lost. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray.